Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Appreciate you all being here. We're live on WYSL, so give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or 866-552-1009. Got that number scrolling. For my friends listening online on the Free Solution Facebook page, the Free Solution YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson pages. Shout down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark as well. Appreciate y'all being here too. Now... Got a few good topics today, and and I say I already got to come. I asked a question in the uh, in the the title. It says, "Is the Biden administration manipulating the media?" Tim O'Connor says, "Yes." All right. Thank you for answering the question, Tim. Uh, end the show. We could just we could just cut it now, right? Like we just end show now. Just play music for the rest, Tim. Very concise. Love it. Now, we'll, we'll dive into this. There, there's a, a news story that, that kind of caught my attention uh, on the Biden administration, on whether or not they're trying to manipulate the media. We'll kind of talk about, you know, what the Biden administration is trying to do, whether or not they are able to manipulate the media, and then, like, what, what the responsibility is of the media to do this. So the, the story that caught my attention was this thing from uh, – actually from – CNN that like their their newsletter that I saw shared somewhere and it says scoop White House quietly tries to reshape economic coverage. And I'll just read this. To, it's not very long. It says the White House not happy with the news media's coverage of the supply chain and the economy has been working behind the scenes trying to reshape coverage in its favor. Senior White House and admin officials, including NEC Deputy Directors David Kamen and Barat. Uh, Ramberti, along with Port's envoy John Porcari, have been briefing major newsrooms over the past week, a source tells me. The officials have been discussing with newsroom trends pertaining to job creation, economic growth, supply chain, and more. The basic argument that has been made that the country's economy is in much better shape than it was last year. I'm told the conversations have been productive with anchors and reporters and producers getting to talk with the officials. That part's in bold. Uh... So that's that's the whole story. Two paragraphs, right? Now I'll share the link to this too if you you want to read what I'm talking about. There's a whole bunch of stuff in in that newsletter, um, you know. But this is this is the one that caught my eye, um, and I it caught my eye, and, and it, it, apparently it's caught a few other people's eyes too because they you know I've seen other stories talking about how the Biden administration is is, is manipulating the media, how they're they're trying to control the narrative, um. Now, I'm not actually all that shocked by this, right? Like, it's, it is not all that shocking for politicians to go and try to control the story, right? Like, that is what communications and press people do, right? They, they try to get – their whole job is to try to get 
the media to tell the story from their perspective, to put their spin on it, right? This isn't something new in the Biden administration. Uh, the Trump administration tried to do it in their own way. Like every politician does this thing. Like even when I was running for office, like I would do that thing. I would try to reach out to the media and say like, hey, this is a story that I think you should tell. Here's my perspective on it. And then I would hope that they tell it from my perspective, right? Whether it's on a policy issue or or uh, a narrative about my campaign or whatever, right? Like that's that's just PR, not a big deal. Now, where it gets interesting is is how much does the media comply with that, right? Like do they do they buy into the narrative? If they're having these like one-on-one meetings, they're having these conversations, you know, the the two things that I would look out for is one is the media treating the claims of the Biden administration critically or are they just falling into the spin of whatever they whatever message, whatever narrative they want to push out, right? Cuz the Biden administration right now wants you to think two things. They want you to think that one the economy is doing better than you think it is, that the media is being too harsh on them. And two, they want you to think that inflation, to the extent it even exists at all, is caused by supply chain issues. Right? And and it's funny, you, you see that all over in like Democratic circles. Like, oh, it's it's not it's not the spending, it's not you know, that's that's you know, not real. It's 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 just supply chain issues. And once we figure out the supply chain issues, the Biden administration has a plan to, to fix that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and, and Tim, you know, that's uh, a good point too. He says, uh, the commenting online on Facebook, he says the trial balloon of inflation is good for you and hurts the 1%. Yeah. We saw some of that too, right? Like it's, they're, they're, they're trying different things. Like actually this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. You know, don't, don't be scared of this. Please, please still vote Democrat in the midterm election. Please don't take our votes away from us. They're worried they're going to lose, they're going to lose the house, uh, in, in the fall and they're, they're going to not be able to continue passing their agenda, right? Um, so, you know, I, I in the next, I'll, I'll talk about the media side of this for this segment. The next segment, we'll talk about like, you know, what is causing inflation. You know, again, I'm not an economic expert, but like, there, there's a few things that like people who aren't economic experts can kind of look at and think about and wonder if the Biden administration is is getting the story right or if they're intentionally trying to spin the story for political purposes which again i expect this i'm not mad about it because like that is just my expectation of politicians is they want to spin what's going on right now uh to make it look like they are doing well and trump did this i I wish I could expect better politicians. I wish I could expect them to be honest and forthright about what's actually happening on the ground so people can make business decisions related to that information. But if at this point in time, if you're not expecting every apparatus of government to reflect the political whims of the people who are elected to office, then well, you're not paying attention. Sometimes they do. There are people who are acting in good faith doing that stuff, but I always – Look at whatever comes out of the administration with a bit of skepticism because I know that there are political pressures to sway things a certain way. That's it's just what happens. Economics and, and, and healthcare and COVID response, all that stuff. There, there's always that pressure to do that. Hopefully, the officials who are tasked with telling us the truth do not cave to that pressure. But we can't always expect that. But let's go back to the media for a second, right? And so, so the Biden administration, they're, they're going to go and try to, to, to get the media to tell their story. 
is the media covering for the Biden administration? Again, what, what Tim says, if you see those stories coming out about how inflation is great or how inflation isn't happening or how, you know, it's it's uh, not being caused by anything that the Biden administration or, or the federal government itself has control over. That's when I start to be skeptical of the folks who are reporting those things, right? And it's not just you know like an opinion thing. Is if they're not covering the, the the full side of the story, if they're not covering like, hey, we have printed trillions of dollars in the last couple of years. Like the money supply has gone up quite a bit. If they're covering like the, the the supply chain stuff, yeah, sure, like that that is for sure a factor in this thing. But if they're gushing about the Biden administration's heroic efforts to you know, get inflation under control or if they're bashing Republicans for, you know, attacking the Biden administration with false narratives about inflation, that, that's probably a a publication that I'm going to be skeptical of. You know, you, you do your thing. Like maybe you don't even read that type of stuff. I try to, to, to do a full coverage of like what's going on out there. I try to figure out what, what stories are being told uh, in, in spaces I don't normally hang out with on the left. Because I, I want to know what's coming coming up next. I, I want to know what what's what's going to happen. What story they're going to try to tell to manipulate people into growing the government and changing pol- public policy for the worse. So that is what we should do if we're looking at these CNN stories. We're looking at this MSNBC stuff. We're looking at like the the stuff that is not even being labeled as opinion articles at this point, where they are dismissing or trashing people who have been warning about inflation for a while. Some of these stories coming out be like, oh, no one saw the inflation coming. My, my goodness, tons of people saw the inflation coming. Folks, like, well, man, man, libertarians haven't shut up about it for like 20 years. We're finally right about it for once. But, you know, the, the, the inflation does seem to be happening. We need to pay attention to it. We need to start thinking about what the remedies are and how we as individuals can protect ourselves if – the federal and state governments don't stop the policies that are causing inflation. And, and so I'll leave you with that. The media is always going to do this. The, 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 the politicians are always going to try to assert their spin. So the, 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 the right, right-wing folks are like, oh, this is an unprecedented propaganda effort. It's not unprecedented. You should always pay attention to it because both Republicans and Democrats are engaging in these types of shenanigans. It's just PR. But we need to be skeptical. We need to pay attention to when it's happening and when we the people, not the media, but when we the people are being manipulated by politicians in the media. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Again, if you want to participate in the show or you have something on your mind that I haven't covered yet today, give us a call, 585-346-3000. It's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. 
They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Again, we're live until 1 o'clock. Give us a call if you want to participate. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments if you're listening online. We are getting several comments here today. Brian Sutton says, been warning about it, inflation, since Nixon temporarily took us off the gold standard. Yeah, no, it's a, by not anchoring you know, the money supply by making it fully fiat, uh, you do run the risk of increasing inflation. Uh, Tim O'Connor says, yet a lot of these kids don't know who Nixon is. And Brian followed up with, every president since has been complicit in the removal from the gold standard by renewing Nixon's executive order. So we'll talk about that a little bit, right? Like the, the, the gold standard thing. And again, Keep in mind, I'm a casual reader of economics. You know, if if someone who is more of an expert in this stuff wants to correct me, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. But it seems like that's what we want to talk about. So we're, we'll talk about that a little bit today, right? You know, what, what we have right now is in terms of money supplies of fiat currency. What, what that means is it's it's money issued by fiat. It's, it's issued by the government just saying, this is our money. This is what we use to pay our, our debts. Um, and this is you know what we need to accept as legal tender, right? There's a time before that, like the, the history of that in the U.S. kind of goes back to like the Civil War where like the, the first greenbacks were issued. Um, you know, but the value of the U.S. dollar for a long time was pegged to the gold standard, and now it's kind of just pegged to, like, whatever we feel it's worth, right? Like, it's a little bit more amorphous. It's uh, it's worth something to folks, whatever a dollar is worth to you, based on its availability and other kind of more amorphous market factors, right? Like, what is... A dollar, you know, is not worth as much if uh, the goods and services we use to exchange for that are higher in price. As in, like, if I want to buy a a carton of eggs or I want to buy a T-shirt, if in order for me to give up that carton of eggs or give up that T-shirt, I require more dollars because I don't feel like one dollar is worth it for a T-shirt, but maybe $20 is, we're now after inflation. Wow, really, I'm going to need $40 for that T-shirt. That's how this works, right? And so we're not pegged to the the, the, the gold standard anymore. Um, again, it's just the, the, the Federal Reserve System just um, is able to to issue money. It's not it's not quite money printer go burr anymore, right? And we had a, was it Alex Merced on 
oh gosh, like maybe a year ago now, and he, he kind of explained some of that like quantitative easing stuff, right? So it's it's less money per nigo burr in a direct sense anymore, and it's more like click click. You know, now we've created you know fifty billion dollars by like hitting a button and sending that, making that money available to banks, right? So that's that's kind of how that works, and then between that. Low interest rates, uh, you know, which kind of artificially held in place by the Federal Reserve System and other things. There's there's a lot of cash going around. Again, if you have a situation where you have trillions of dollars slushing in the economy and people have enough, maybe not physical dollars, but like dollars in their bank account where they're like, well, you know, I can – I can go after this this good or service, right? Like I, I have enough money now and extra money to go after this thing. And let's say that thing you're going after, again, something on the shelf in the store. Let's say you're buying Christmas stockings right now. And suddenly there's two factors going on. One, we have more money so we can buy more Christmas stockings or whatever that in-demand good and services is. And then two, we have a supply crunch where we're not able to get those uh, stockings from China. And now the shelf – is more empty and the store says well there's fewer stockings available here and they're in higher demand so we'll just raise the price and make more money off of each stocking and then suddenly you know all right so instead of it being i have no idea my, my, my wife just bought stockings last night i don't know what they cost so instead of being like three dollars for a stocking it's now eight dollars ten dollars whatever it is and so that's that's how inflation can sneak in. So when you have, again, these spending bills that put trillions of dollars into the economy, when you have quantitative easing that, that frees up money for banks and lets people uh, have easier access to capital, if you get too much of that and people have a lot of money and then fewer goods coming in because of supply issues, the Biden administration isn't totally wrong that supply issues are a factor in driving up inflation. And that's, you know, millions and millions of things going on, right? Like it's not just any one shipping container. It's not just any one like industry that's having problems. These are millions of interconnected points in the economy that no single person or no single group of people can possibly fully understand and control and, uh, and bend to their will. When, when you have that situation, it becomes difficult for them to fix it, right? But again, there are things that impact that. Money supply being one, I'll see if I can... You know, I'll see if I can show what it is for my, my video listeners. But if you haven't looked up, look up, like, I just Googled, uh, like, money printing U.S. chart, right? And how much of the money supply, how much it's gone up in the last couple years is just absolutely wild. Like, just a – there you go. So just a huge percentage of – of the dollars that exist now were printed in just the last couple of years. And if you're looking at this chart, you look it up, it's kind of going like steady up and up over the decades, right? Like, you know, you expect more dollars to be in the money supply as the economy grows, all that stuff, and then starts to shoot up quite a bit during the Bush years and then shoot up very aggressively during the Obama years, continuing on to the Trump years. And then it's like a straight line. Our money supply just goes like straight up. And you can't tell me that that's not having an impact on inflation. Uh, it is absolutely making it so that the dollars that we have are worth less. And 
And Tim says, look at uh, Amazon stock price charts. And that, that, like, that, that's what's happening with a lot of stuff, too. Again, a lot of people, they had extra money, too. They're able to invest it in, in companies, do all this stuff, uh, where the hope is that, you know, that's kind of a hedge against inflation. We talked about on the show uh, previously, me and Tim. Um, you know, there's ways you can protect yourself with that, like through different types of investing. But, you know, I, I look at different things like how much is – how much is it to, to get a Bitcoin, right? Like a Bitcoin is also, it's not fixed to anything. Its value is arbitrary. A Bitcoin is only worth 50K if other people are willing to, to pay 50K for that Bitcoin. But if your dollars are worth less, if people value those dollars less than getting that Bitcoin, you know, that's, that's kind of the exchange that we have. And it doesn't matter what the federal government says, like a dollar is and ought to be worth we aren't working in a closed system. They, if, unless they fix prices, which, goodness, they, hopefully they don't do that because that will cause a, a whole bunch of other problems. But unless they fix prices, you know, you have to, to think about what the value of the dollar is worth, not just in the U.S., not just in, in our you know, massively complex economic system, but worldwide, where the dollar is still used as the de facto currency of many countries, that people want U.S. dollars still because – maybe the currency of their country isn't worth all that much because they've run into their own inflationary issues where they've had fiat currency and now no one trusts the value of whatever that is. So you, like you look at Venezuela, for instance, a lot of times down there, they're using U.S. dollars and cryptocurrencies for exchange because they can't trust that the, the, the value of the notes that they have is going to be the same a few weeks from now, right? So if you can't trust that, you can't trust that like if you, you sell your T-shirt for – I'm trying to think of what it is. It's not Bolivars. I'm trying to remember what the Venezuelan currency is. But if you sell it for 100 uh, units of their currency, is it still going to be useful several weeks from now? Is is that 100 uh, units of that currency going to be able to buy you the equivalent value of that T-shirt? Or is it going to be able to buy you, you know, an apple? candy bar like is 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 the value of that currency going to go down and uh and brian says i was i was looking for that statistic when i pulled that money chart up brian says it is said that 40 percent of all money in circulation has been printed in the last two covid years yeah no that's that's what it is for and it's 40 percent of like the money that has ever existed that has ever been printed in the u.s just in the last couple years that is massive that is a huge shock to the system and so yeah supply chain issues that's part of it which again supply chain issues are caused in part by federal policy like like the jones act like and sometimes state policy like uh the 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 rules about unloading shipping containers that make this situation worse so it's not say the federal government can't do anything federal government can rein in their printing they can change the regulations they can actually help with inflation but instead what they've chosen to do they just say it's either not that bad or it's just caused by things outside of control nonsense don't let them do it and don't believe any media outlet that lets them get away with that not going to happen here on a free solution. Thanks again for joining us. So again, if you want to give us a call, participate in the discussion, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're talking about inflation right now, but if you have something else on your mind, something we're missing, give us a call anyway. We'll be back soon on A Free Solution.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. They're hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. We're live here on WYSL until 1 p.m. So give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or we have an 800-866-552-1009. That's 866-552-1009. Got that scrolling for our online listeners on the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening today. Thank you. Shout to our friends over at WACK out in Newark as well. Appreciate y'all listening. And our podcast listeners, too. And wherever you're listening. We love you. Thank you for being here. And uh, today we're talking about inflation. We're talking about not just inflation, but what what are the, the narratives around inflation, the narratives that the Biden administration is trying to paint around the subject um, they have low, low expectations for it. Like the politicians going to politician, right? Politicians are going to try to spin the story in their favor. They're going to try to say either this is a good thing. It's not as bad as you think it is, or it's caused by someone else. If we can blame someone else, we can blame China. We can blame the, the Republicans. We can blame whatever, you know, they're, they're going to try to do that too. And, and the media's job is to see through that nonsense. Again, I, I don't think that the media well, the, the media is – it depends on where you look because it's not a monolithic thing, right? So I'm not going to say that the media has done a good or bad job because you know, I'm, I'm technically the media, like very very small media, small independent media, but I'm technically the media, right? Like, so the media is what you make it. Now – oh, and it uh, sounds like we've got a caller on the line too. Uh, Charles from Rochester. Charles, what's on your mind? Sir? Kevin. Kevin, Yo. how are you? Fantastic. What, uh, what are you thinking uh, about, Charles? Okay, uh, going back to this whole inflation, um, I, I mean, the, to be honest, the the price of the brownies has not changed since I complained once last, <laughs> so it's still two nineteen a box. Um, right but I wanted to talk about, let's see, uh, Woodrow Wilson and the whole reason why we pay taxes. Uh, Heck yeah, we, I think uh, I know where you're going with this. Okay. So, I mean, eventually it started out with the rich uh, to cover the cost of everything. Um, and it, this hasn't been really talked about, but it, if you line that up, and let's just say, you know, conspiracy theory, uh, with the Great Depression, we, we started taxing people, what, 1913, 1917, what, somewhere around there. 
Well, so so to- j- just to clarify for listeners, because I like I, I get what you're talking about, right? You're talking about um, you know the the income tax passing of the uh, the the 16th Amendment, uh, which yep. before that, you know, the federal government couldn't legally just tax our income; they would do it through things like like tariffs and 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 collecting other fees, right? Correct. So just just giving that context for the listeners, so so people can follow along with what, where you're going. Okay. Well, in the beginning, it was just to tax the rich. Um, and, I mean, again, going with the conspiracy theory with the Great Depression, where a lot of people needed to cash in their gold to be able to survive. Um, mm. In a sense, the government stealing the gold from the little people. Uh, fast forward to 1971, when we switched over from the gold standard of living to the petrodollar, uh, based on protecting the oil fields and the uh, Middle East uh, using American troops, as long as they used the American dollar to to buy and sell oil. And let let me just pause Uh, again for context, right? Like that just... For, for listeners listening out there, yes, yeah, so we, we right now the entire world buys oil in in U.S. dollars. So uh, that that is how like how that system works. Now, occasionally, you know, some countries will will make some noise about switching over to to the yuan or something, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, well, actually, going back into the whole conspiracy theory, the the claim is in '91 when we had the Gulf War, it had to do with the oil, where Saddam Hussein did not want to sell oil using the American dollars, and the whole Kuwait thing, I mean, I was, geez, uh, I was in fifth grade when that happened, so I don't know too many yeah. details on it. Well, I mean, with, with that stuff, I think uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait on the day I was born, because it was, it was <laughs> exactly, exactly that day. Well, I, I suppose you'll never forget that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then I, I want to go to fast forward some more because we were we were selling oil in a sense using you know, well printing up money based on the petrodollar you know whatever. Mm-hmm. I I'm assuming that means how many barrels we extract from the earth, you know, depending on how much money we can print up. I don't know the details on any of that. Yeah. Um, but I know fast forwarding to 2009 when we had the collapse of, you know, the housing market. Something that the government switched over from the petrodollar to just printing up money. And when I think about that in current events, you know, printing up money, and uh, we're still, let's see, we're, we're paying interest on money that we're just printing up out of thin air. And I don't understand right. why we would still have to be paying interest on money that we're just printing up. Well, like, so so why do we pay interest, right? Like, the, the, the Treasury issues bonds because Congress says, all right, we're going to spend all this money, and now Treasury is responsible for spending that money, and they say, well, we don't actually have that money, so we're going to have to go and, like, borrow it. So they, they go and sell bonds to borrow it, right? And now... The, the rates have been historically low, although now you can get like a bond at like 7% or something if you hold it for, I think it's at like at least a year. Um, and, and so, you know, if you, you trust that that's going to be lower than inflation, that's a good bet. But if you don't, then 
a less great bet. So, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't know, like, if there is any specific connection between, like, the value of the U.S. dollar as it is associated with uh, – buying oil specifically like i think i think that's that's pretty plausible i i just i don't know enough about it to like comment on it like too intelligently um but you know it it does seem plausible that that is something that has dictated u.s foreign policy over the last you know say 30 years maybe longer um except except for trump oh you think so i'm i'm not gonna give trump that much credit no way i I I think he's part of this too but the only reason I say that is um, during Trump administration, he told that they can sell the oil for whatever price they want to sell. I mean, not price, uh, whatever currency they want to sell it to. If they want to use the American currency to trade oil, they have that right. But he didn't made it mandatory for them to sell the oil. And if they didn't sell it, to go in with some stupid excuse to flip the uh, the administration of that country to get them to sell the oil using the American currency. Right. I mean, like, so people I mean, point to, like, the, the Libyan invasion as, as part of that, right? Like, that, that's part of, like, what was that? Was um, Gaddafi, like, his resistance to buying oil in U.S. dollars, was that part of, like, the deterioration of relationships with uh, both the U.S. and, and, and much of Europe? I... I I would say more of rebelling against the global system. Right. Um, and, you know, it, what's going to be interesting, you know, again, I I, I only kind of know a little bit about this. It's a bit fuzzy for me. It's going to be interesting if people start to switch to, again, non-centralized currencies in the future, right? If, if we all trust that, like, you know, a particular cryptocurrency is appropriate for you know having a decentralized system of sharing value. There's no reason why a Bitcoin or Ether or Dogecoin, if that's your thing, well, maybe not Dogecoin, but what why any given cryptocurrency shouldn't be the default for you know exchanging goods at an international level. And if that happens, if people start to to make that switch, what does that mean for? the U.S. dollar in its value, both worldwide and domestically. I think that we're going to see probably a lot of regulation and, and possibly foreign policy and, and other stuff come out in order to protect that perceived value and keep the U.S. dollar as essentially the reserve currency of the world. Well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you were looking at kind of taking money from the people and giving it out, uh, you would want to keep that. Um, I mean, especially if you want to benefit your own pockets. I mean, as a taxpayer, I mean, we we threw out one what one point three billion dollars to Ukraine that went missing, and no one cared about it. That's, yeah, a billion I mean, here, billion there. Interest on that. Yeah. What? Is that billion here, billion there? Afghanistan, Ukraine, wherever. All right. So we're out of time, though. Thank you so much for your phone call. That. that some interesting stuff to think about. So thank you, Charlie. Appreciate you calling in. If you, too, want to call in, give us a call at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back with more on A Free Solution in just a few minutes.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. And we're live here on WISL to 5 p.m. So, or 5 p.m. 1 p.m. Just looking at <laughs> something else. 1 p.m. So give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Uh, or leave your comments online. Uh, see, we got uh, Shelly listening over on YouTube. Shelly, always great to have you here. Uh, and Tim saying, we can all hate Woodrow Wilson. Then then trying to... to, to Slander my good name, Kevin Wilson. Kevin is descended from Woodrow Wilson. Not true. Not true at all. Not, at least as far as I'm aware, in any way related to Woodrow Wilson, who may be our worst president. That guy was absolutely terrible. I, I th- Tim, Tim and I have talked about doing a whole show just on how much we hate Woodrow Wilson. Uh, and, and so we might do that sometime in the future because I, I'm not a fan. Um, and... Uh, Brian uh, says, definitely not sent from Silent Cal. No, it's not me. Guy, guy, keep talking on the radio, saying that the price of brownies for him has gone up, uh, like you know, fifteen percent. Uh, and and we'll start to see that, right? We'll start to it, it might. It's not going to hit universally, like we're seeing. Like certain things, like meat, are going up, and part of that is again, it's partly supply. Last year, all the meat producers uh, couldn't move their product because uh, the you know, the shutdowns, right? Like, so they couldn't sell their stuff to restaurants. So they kill off a bunch of their, their, you know, poultry, they, and, and, and whatnot. And, and whatever other animal they're raising. And, and suddenly they need to, to ramp that back up. There's a shortage of supply, you know, people are willing to pay more to get those limited chicken wings, whatever. Yeah. That's that, that, that's part of it. That is part of it. It's, it's that. And it is the, the, the money supply going around too. Uh, and it's just, so for for the last thing, we'll, we'll talk about a couple. Oh, you know, and actually, I got a a message from my producer says you know, Dollar Tree going up to dollar uh, twenty five for everything now. I, man, I almost forgot about that. Like it's it's wild to, to see that. Like they, an institution changing the essence of their brand, moving up to a dollar twenty five. Um, but. Well, let's talk about what this is going to look like, right? Like, because when people think of uh, like hyperinflation, they're they're thinking of like the Weimar Republic. Maybe you're thinking of Venezuela. You're seeing people like, you know, carrying fat wads of cash to go buy a load of bread, loaf of bread, or you know, a wheelbarrow full of cash to go grocery shopping. 
you know, and Venezuela, the notes are so useless that people were weaving them into like baskets and clothing and, and stuff um, and, and selling it that way because that good had more value to it than the note itself. Um, it's not going to look like that here. Like that's, that's just not uh, uh, how inflation works because a lot of our society is cashless now. Like I, I'm not ever going in with like wads of cash anywhere. Like I just – you know, sorry, maybe it's a millennial thing, but like I, I do my my tap to pay. I I use a card for everything. I use Venmo, whatever. So like, it's not going to look like me carrying a wad of cash somewhere. It's going to look like, oh, suddenly you know my account that had you know whatever a few hundred dollars in it. That that few hundred dollars now buys nothing. I can't even go out to dinner for it. You know, if I have something like that in like my Venmo account, uh, okay. Suddenly, what I thought would have been worth, you know several meals out is now worth, you know, my, my entree. Like we're not quite there yet, but it could be if we, if we do get to a, to a hyperinflation point, um, it, 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 it'll look like, you know, again, just the money in your account, not going as far. And if you don't get a raise at your job too, you know, well then that's going to be a problem. And we, we, we end up like building and building on this, right? Like, okay, suddenly like in order for your employees to be able to afford, you know, a trip to the grocery store, you're going to need to give them a raise. And when you give them a raise, well, you're going to have to charge more for your services because, well, you know, you got to cover your cost. And well, when you're charging more for your services, well, then the, the people down the line who are paying for whatever that service is, well, they're, they're going to have to get a little bit more out of their pocket to cover that. And then if it's a business to business thing, they're going to have to to you know, raise their rates too to be able to cover the cost of their employees and the higher cost of services and it just builds and builds and builds on each other. Now, there there are some ways out of this. You know, not all of them are perfect. Now, what was interesting is that in the US like we again, we didn't used to always have a centralized currency. It wasn't always like currency run through the Federal Reserve. It wasn't currency dictated by national policy. For better or worse, you know, after the, the first national bank was killed by the uh, by Andrew Jackson, uh, you know, we, we had a, a very decentralized system. Like you have like banknotes, right? You'd say like this, this banknote is worth, you know, whatever it is, like it's worth like a certain amount of silver. Maybe they tie it to a physical good or maybe they tie it to the reputation of the bank itself. And if you like the reputation of the bank, you thought that was worth money, then, uh, you know, that was worth value to you to have 15 notes from this bank, then that's what you'd exchange for those goods, you know. But if you're, you have <laughs> these paper notes or whatever, or, or, you know, you could have like physical bars of gold or whatever, uh, coins. Uh, if, if you thought that was, uh, the, these paper notes were worth value, great. But if you got these notes from a bank in, you know, New York and you're down in Georgia, uh, maybe that's not worth that much to you. So we had a, a very decentralized system. We may move back to that in some ways. Again, is as we start to use some of these services that 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 uh, especially crypto that uh, that shift those values into other ways of understanding a means of exchange. You know, if you're you're collecting crypto of a, of a, of a certain type, you, you get one of these like small coins because like that's the, the currency that you use to pay for, uh, uh, buying, uh, server time 
or something, right? Like whatever it is, you know, okay, then, then, well, you need to go and buy that. And that's worth so many US dollars, so many Bitcoin, so many Ether or whatever. So you, we build these systems of exchanges of value uh, that aren't dictated by any one central authority. And the ledger of those values with, uh, with crypto also aren't controlled by any one central authority too. It's decentralized. Everyone's able to see the full, like, exchange on the blockchain okay cool you know that that way like no one it's a lot harder to commit fraud you can have things like smart contracts that execute automatically that's honestly that's where i think like some of this stuff is going especially on like the worldwide level i think i don't know if it's going to be bitcoin i'm sure lots of people are you know trying to make bets on that but i i don't know if bitcoin's efficient enough to do that it's too speculative right now i don't know if it's a lot of currencies are built off ethereum and i'm not giving advice on this stuff because and, and you shouldn't take it even if i were giving advice because uh, i haven't made anything off of that but i do think that there is going to be a decentralization happening that if you know it, it's wild to think like right now like where i work like i work with people all around the world to try to meet some common goals we're still working in, 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 you know, different fiat currencies, but maybe there will come a time when we're using a Facebook currency or a meta currency for, for one thing and we're using, you know, a different uh, technological currency for another thing. And maybe we have a, another crypto that is like a consistent store of value that we can trust that if I get some of that that currency, that coin, whatever it is, I'll be able to go and exchange it for other stuff out on the market or exchange it for U.S. dollars that I want or whatever. That, that I think, is going to be the future. And that, when you don't have the ability to, to, to run up the money supply by billions and billions and billions of dollars, and you, you have a controlled growth of, of that supply of currency, and yet you decide that that is worth something, that is what the future of this might look like. The... the out to inflation may look like decentralization that's we just got to allow it and by we i mean the federal government has to allow it or i suspect my head people are just going to start doing that and then they're going to just say ah yeah that we're we're fine with that and they're going to say that because they are absolutely powerless to stop it because people will make their own they'll just put freedom first they'll make their own systems develop their own relationships and and not care what the government thinks about that. Well, that's why I got that. That's my free solution for the day. That that's why I think it's going to happen. If I'm right, wrong, you let me you let me know uh, in the comments or, or send us an email. Contact at afreesolution.com. Thanks again for joining us today. I will be back on Friday with Tim O'Connor. Make sure you listen tomorrow to Tim O'Connor too. Appreciate y'all being here. Take care. <laughs>